um, if you have a Bible, Leviticus chapter 15, um, that's where we're going to go today. I know you're super excited about that, like, woo Leviticus, we all read that before we came in here this morning. Um, we're in week number four of our series called Overcomers, and um, this series is like um, probably the best way that I can explain where these messages are coming from is these are things that, that I've had to fight through. Um, that I've had to learn how to overcome, that I've had to learn um, how to really lean into Jesus to overcome these things in my own life. And, and what's crazy is um, this isn't something that I've mastered. It's stuff that I'm still learning, um, stuff that I, that I feel like God is continually teaching me. Um, I said at the start of this series, and this series was going to be a little bit different than the normal ones. Uh, we were really going to talk about a lot of things that a lot of times uh, churches stray away from. And so um, we've talked about stress and worry and anxiety. Uh, we talked about getting rid of anger and slander and hurtful words and not gossiping. Um, we talked about overcoming self-hate. That's what we talked about last week. Um, next week or the week after that, um, we're going to talk about divorce. Um, that's a super fun topic to talk about in church, isn't it? Um, but... Is something that has affected a lot of people, um, so we're going to address it. Um, and then before this series is over, um, we're going to spend a week, maybe even two weeks, um, talking about overcoming addiction. And uh, again, great topic to talk about in church, um, but it's something that in some way, shape, form, or fashion has probably um, affected all of us um, on a personal level or um, we've seen people around us that it's, that it's hurt or that it's or that's currently hurting. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and uh, so all of these different things, all these things that we're talking about overcoming, um, today, specifically, we're going to talk about loneliness. Um, because I would argue that all of us um, probably knows what it feels like to feel alone. And so we're going to talk about overcoming that, because that's a, that's a big deal for some of us, right? We know what it's like to feel alone. And, and what's crazy about that is that there are over... I don't know, 8 billion people on this planet, and we're more connected with our devices than we've ever, ever, ever been before, but we're lonely um, because we're, we're viewed through a certain lens. And, 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 and don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, because it's something I've learned. Um, there's a difference between being viewed and being seen. Um, a lot of people in our culture were viewed, but we're not seen. Because to be viewed, again, is, is to be kind of is to be kind of see us through like whatever lens we we choose to project ourselves through. And and typically, all of us, um, myself included in this, um, we're always going to put up our highlight reel, right? Like like none of us are putting up our failures all the time, right? Are, are we? No, we're, we're filtering and we're making sure everything is like perfect. We, we, we're taking 17 selfies, as we talked about before, and making sure the right filter or the right thing is on. And, and we want everybody to think that we're perfect. Because to be seen, to really be seen, is to be known. And to really be known is to be vulnerable. And to be vulnerable, a lot of times, that's the stuff that gets us kicked out or, or cast aside, whether it's in church or through a certain friend group or, or whatever. And that kind of stuff leads us to loneliness. And so many of us, when it comes to that, when it comes to being kicked out or, or cast aside, we, we've had that negative experience. And because of that, we'll choose loneliness um, and isolation over community. Remember last week we said one of the ways to, to overcome um, all of these things, but, but last week specifically when we talked about self-hate, um, one of the things, one of the ways to do it was to embrace community. Same thing here. I, I get it though. 
I, I get it when, when we talk about embracing community. I get it's difficult because there are liter- legitimately people here who feel lonely. And it's hard to embrace community when you feel lonely. It's hard to embrace community when you're afraid to be seen, when you're afraid to be known, when you're afraid to be vulnerable. And maybe, maybe another reason we can't embrace community is, is because when it comes to our relationship with God, we feel disconnected. Maybe at one time you felt very connected, but something happened, or a series of somethings happened, and you walked away, or you stepped away, or you feel like you got pushed away, and you're trying to come back, but you're not quite sure how. You feel lonely spiritually. See, we, we can feel lonely all kinds of different ways, not just physically, spiritually, and also emotionally. I'm talking like emotionally, like doesn't it feel sometimes like, like you're lonely because nobody can connect with you? You're like, hey, Ryan, doesn't matter how much you talk about embracing community, like nobody's going to be able to connect with me. And, and then on the flip side of that, don't you wish sometimes that people wouldn't connect with you because when they do connect with you, they just want to try to fix you, right? Because, because people who want to try to fix you, don't they usually just wind up doing a whole lot more damage? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're upset like that. I don't see why you're worried about that. You just need to take that frown and turn it upside down. I'm going to take my foot and turn it upside down and Anyway, that's how my brain works sometimes. Maybe not, maybe not yours. Um, but we feel lonely emotionally, spiritually, physically. And, and when we feel that way, we want to be alone. And, and listen, solitude is awesome. There are times we need solitude. If you're a mom in here, you, you get this. You're probably like, like my mom. She would look at me and she'd say, Ryan, you need to give me five more minutes if you want to make it five more years. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> Yes, ma'am, I'll just kind of disappear. Solitude is, is awesome. There, there are times we need to break away and have solitude. Even Jesus broke away and had his quiet times and times of solitude. But loneliness, church, there's a big difference between loneliness and solitude. And, and, and I get it. I get it. I've been there. I've been there j- just like you. You know, maybe you come back into the house or the apartment and, and, and you're physically like by yourself and you can feel it. You can feel the, and that sucks. So how do we get past that? How do we overcome that? Or how do we get through that? Well, this week, um, I was putting this message together, um, and I was listening to, to some of the stories that, that some of you here in Central are talking about dealing with this. And, um, and I came back to some of the things Jesus did. And um, at the same time, I was working on another series, um, or another, some ideas. We're, we're going to do a series next year, probably, um, called called the songs that we do and we're going to kind of go through some of the songs that we do and so um, one of the things one of the songs that was probably going to be on there might not now because of this message um, but but one of the things that I was doing I was listening to this song called Waymaker you, you know it we do it here from time to time and um, listen I've been walking with Jesus for over 20 years I, I'm still I'm still learning about him um, he's absolutely phenomenal and, and I'm learning that, that the scriptures what they say about him really are very, very, very clear. And, and, and if we just, like, I feel like if we just believe these things, they really do help us overcome. Like, for example, in, in that song that says that Jesus is a way maker, I really do believe that he will help us make a way and overcome anything, including this idea of loneliness. Now, now, now listen, I would prefer him just take me out of it. 
but, but he doesn't always just take us out of it. But he always will make a way through it. He makes a way all through Scripture. All through Scripture, we see God making a way for his people. He says, I'm going to make a way through the Red Sea. I'm going to make a way through the desert. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. God is a way maker. And if you're in the middle of a mess, you need to understand that God knows how to make a way through it if we will just lean into him and we will just trust him. I don't know about you, but does anybody besides me have a hard time just trusting God sometimes? Anybody? Like six of us, all right? The rest of you all polished your halos this morning. You look awesome, by the way. It's great. I can't see you because of the lights, but we'll say that. Um, Waymaker. Next one, I believe he's a miracle worker. I do. I, I, I really do. I, I'm just crazy enough to just believe that the miracles that took place in the Bible like, he, he can still do that today, because I believe if he did it then, he can do it again. I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anybody else believe that? Yeah, all of us, because he said that. He promised us that. That's the next point. He's a promise keeper. All of us know what it's like to have a promise broken, right? All of us know. But God has never broken a promise ever. Not to me and not to you. And one of the promises that he's made to us is he will always be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so listen, because of what the scriptures say about Jesus and what Jesus says about himself, we have to take him at his word, yes or no? Yes. And if he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that means even when I feel alone, I'm not alone because he's always with me. Then I believe that he's light in the darkness He really is. Like, he just lights it up. And if you deal with loneliness, this is what I know. If you deal with loneliness, you can feel darkness. It just follows you around. It clouds your mind. I know it because I've lived it. But but darkness, in the darkness, in the darkness, there is always, always a light. It's just up up to us to make an effort to see it. And Jesus, Jesus is and Jesus has been for me over and over and over again a light in the darkness. And so, what we're going to do today is I'm going to, let me go ahead and warn you, all right? If you've already looked ahead in your outline, I'll I'll just go ahead and and say this out loud. Um, The next several minutes um, may make you incredibly uncomfortable, all right? It's kind of been uncomfortable for me all week. Um, I'm going to read you a story. It's something out of the Bible, all right? It's in Leviticus, again, a book we all love. Some of you are like, You know, Ryan, I tried to read through the Bible once, and I got through Genesis and Exodus. Um, Man, but then I got to Leviticus, and they started killing goats and cows, and and I just couldn't go any further. It was so messed I don't blame you. All right, it's a little bit confusing. Um, But we're going to start in Leviticus, and and listen, 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 listen. Everybody look up here. I'm not trying to offend anybody. All right, I'm just going to acknowledge the fact we're all going to a little bit uncomfortable, all right, because I've been uncomfortable even putting this together. Are you ready? Maybe, I don't know, (laughs) that's what you're thinking, right? Listen, all I'm doing is preaching the Bible, all right? These are Bible verses. These are not t-shirt verses or bumper stick verses, and you're not going to see these on a coffee mug, all right? But this is the Bible. All right, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19. Yeah, probably take the little kids out of here, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma don't want to explain nothing on the way home, (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) 
I don't even know where to go now. All right, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, stop. Just stop right there. I remember the first time reading through that. Um, don't take pictures. Like, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You're like, he's so messed up right now. We're going to show everybody this. I don't, I don't know. You can. You need me to stand like a certain way or something? Is that? I remember the first time reading this. See, it's uncomfortable, right? I don't even know what to do now. Um, I was like, God, really? Like, seriously? Because if you read Leviticus chapter 15, even before this, it's uncomfortable. Like, they're talking about, like, you're just going to go read it yourself. I'm not even going to talk about that right now. But it's just like, I get through the first part, and it was weird, and then you get to this, and you're like, does that really have to be there, God? I mean, it's uncomfortable. This week, I was talking to my daughter Chloe um, about churches in Orange City, and she was talking about how much she appreciates Central, and she said she was coming back home this weekend, and she asked me what I was preaching on. I was like, oh, um, loneliness. And she's like, what text are you going to use? I'm like, ah, eventually we're going to be in Luke, Chloe. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Like, I didn't even want to talk to her about it because it's uncomfortable. We haven't even got to the good part yet. (laughs) She will be ceremonially unclean, for seven days. Now, it doesn't mean a lot to us, but for Jewish people, um, back then in Jewish culture, this was a big deal because if you were unclean, you couldn't participate in the ceremonies, which meant you couldn't go to tabernacle, you couldn't go to temple. And if you couldn't go to temple, you couldn't be prayed for. And if you couldn't be prayed for, then you couldn't have your sins forgiven. You felt completely disconnected from God. You can't go to church, can't walk in, they're not going to let you And so you're going to feel automatically disconnected from God. It gets worse. Not only were you disconnected from God, but watch this. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. So so not only, don't miss this, not only is she isolated from God, but she's isolated from other people as well. People didn't want to touch her because if you touched her, then you got unclean. If you touched her... I guess you got what she got, and, and, and you didn't want to get what she had. And so they kind of kicked her out. They kind of cast her aside. They didn't associate with her for at least seven days. It goes on to say this, anyone or anything on which the woman lies or sits during the time of her period will be unclean. So you can't even invite her over the, your house because anything she touches will be unclean, like your couch is just going to be jacked up. If you touched what she touched, you were unclean. And so it's like, hey, Like, I love you, I appreciate you, you're my friend, but just stay away from me until you get that mess taken care of. When you get that mess taken care of, then you can come back to my house. That's what's happening here. Verse 21, if any of you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. I guess they didn't have the right kind of soap that gets you immediately clean. Anyway, sorry. If you touch any object she has sat on, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. This includes her bed or any other object she has sat on. You will be unclean until evening if you touch it. This is in the Bible, right? So, so can we safely conclude that a woman going through this issue in this time period felt incredibly alone, yes or no? Yes, she absolutely felt alone, disconnected from God, disconnected from people. If you feel disconnected from God and disconnected from people, you are lonely. And that's a dangerous place to be because anytime we get disconnected, that's when we get misdirected. I know in my own life, anytime that I've made the dumbest decisions in my life, and there are a ton of them, but anytime I've done it, they've come from times when I've been disconnected from God and disconnected from people 
who love me. Now, put all that on the side for a second because we need to go to the book of Numbers and look at something there. And, and this isn't quite as bad. Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. So not a green cord or purple cord or pink cord, whatever, but a blue cord. You, you attach them to your garment, to tassels on the fringe or whatever. Verse 39, when you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourself as you are prone to do. The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that I might be your God. I am the Lord your God. So God is telling Moses, hey, you need to put tassels on your clothes as a reminder of who I am. And who I am is the Lord your God. Now, I don't know about you, but I need reminders from time to time that God is God and God is good and God is a provider and God is a protector because left on my own, if I could be honest with you, left on my own, I'll forget. Like I, I'm super thankful for reminders that God puts in my life. Um, just over the past couple of days, I've had a couple of friends reach out to me and say, hey, Ryan, this is what I'm praying for you as you're preaching this weekend. This is what I'm praying for your church. This is what I'm praying for your life. And it's just a reminder that, hey, Ryan, you're not alone. Like, you, you've got people praying for you. You've got people thinking about you. You've got people who care about you. I'm thankful that I have a church where I can come in and be reminded that God is God, that God is good, that God is the provider, that God is the protector, that God will help us overcome. It's a reminder that, hey, you're not alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I, I'm thankful that I've got the scriptures that I can read that remind us that you're not alone, that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm thankful that I can go to God and I can pray anytime that I want to and be reminded that I'm not alone. In this text, God is saying, hey, as a reminder, put tassels on your clothing that it will remind you every time you see them that, hey, I'm the Lord your God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, all right, you were in Leviticus, and you were talking about that. <laughs> and now you're talking about tassels. What does this have to do with anything? Well, today's sermon is sort of like a burrito at Ponchero's. You ever eat there? Like, like you get all the stuff, and they put all the stuff on the burrito, and then they get the bobs out, and they mix it together, and you're like, man, that doesn't look as good as it looked when you were putting the stuff on. And, 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 and it's like, wait, it's amazing, though. That's what's happening today. We're going to mix it all up. At the end, we're going to ask them to throw a little bit of extra cheese on the top. It's going to be amazing, all right? I promise. Here's the point. When the rabbis and the priests or the leaders of the church would pray at people uh, or pray for people, um, at the end... They would, um, they would declare a blessing. And, and as they were declaring, as they were pronouncing a blessing, um, he would hold his robe or his cloak up, and it literally would look like he had wings because of the way he was holding his clothes. Like, like that's just the way it would go. They'd hold it up and fall, I guess, look like wings. Over time, a legend developed based on the book of Malachi. All right, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Um, God spoke to Malachi, and then Malachi finishes the book, and then for 400 years, like, God doesn't talk anymore. All right, but in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, we see this. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, which is a reference to the Messiah, which so then is a reference to who? Jesus, good. 
Um, Son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Remember, it's these wing things, like when they hold out their arms, right? That's important. Will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves out to pasture. Now, I want that in my life. I want that kind of joy in my life. I want that kind of joy in all of our lives. But it comes to recognizing Jesus, right, and him being the healer of things. And so a legend developed over those 400 years that the Messiah, when the Messiah came, don't miss this, there would be healing in his clothes. Like, like his clothes, like just his clothes would, would contain healing. But, but there was a 400-year wait. Now, with that in mind, um, because this is a safe place, I feel like this is a safe place, safe environment. Um, I feel like I can be honest with you guys and confess to you guys. I don't like to wait for anything. I went to a restaurant a couple weeks ago, and I said, how long's the wait? They said, oh, it's only 20 minutes. I said, nope, uh-uh, I'm out. I don't wait 20 minutes because somewhere else doesn't have a 20-minute wait, but you had to drive 40 minutes to get there. Don't care. Well, it's not as good, maybe. I don't know. Probably never will know. You know why? I'm not waiting 20 minutes. I don't want to. I don't wait in the drive-thru. Listen, if I'm going to the drive-thru and it's two cars deep, I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. We're making it fresh for you. Don't care. That just means you can't find the cook, by the way, when they say we're making it fresh. I don't wait, unless it's Chick-fil-A. Like, seriously. Like, you ever been in line at Chick-fil-A? How do they do it? It's like there could be 800 cars and you never hit your brakes. Like you order and you go and the like food's hanging out the window. You're like, thank you, my pleasure. It's, it's unreal. I don't like to wait. I don't wait in the drive-thru. I don't like to wait at the restaurant. I don't like to wait on the phone. If we're on a phone call, don't you hate it when people do this? Hey, can you just hold on for a minute? Nope. Well, it's only going to take a minute to call me back when you're done. Man, I don't, like I don't, I don't like to wait. Probably a lot of us are like that. We don't like to wait on things. If I can be very, 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 very honest with you, um, I don't like to wait on God. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like it. I know. I know some people. Some of you, or maybe you've met like that incredibly patient person. I'm just waiting on Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I don't like it. Like I want God to act now, right now. Like God, I hurt my toe. I want the pain to go away now. God, I would like a parking place now. God, I would like for you to pay this bill now. God, I would like for you to take care of this situation now. Ryan, you need to be patient. I'm not going to be patient. God, I want you to move right now. Like, I'm the kind of person that wants things to happen now. But have you ever noticed that sometimes God doesn't, like, instantly act? You ever seen that? Ever noticed that in your own life, or is it just me? My little one. All right, so with that in mind, with the waiting thing in mind. Think about this. So far, you got the thing in Leviticus about the woman and the loneliness, right? You got the thing about in Numbers, about the healing and the clothes connected to Malachi, right? So with all that in mind, we're going to bring this all back around. We're going to fold up the burrito and we're going to take a bite. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Here we go. Luke chapter 8, verse 42. As Jesus went with him, now him is a guy who had come to Jesus and said, my daughter who is 12 years old is sick. Will you come with me? Will you come and heal her? And so that, that's, that's who he's with. Jesus and this guy are on the way to heal this little girl. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. And so if you can imagine, like Jesus in this time period is kind of like, like 
a famous movie star or rock star or whatever, and he's moving through the crowds, and, and people are, are pressing up against him, and he, and he can't really move, and, and so he's kind of fighting through, and the disciples are always trying to clear a way. Like, the, the people are, are so much around him. Remember, we've talked about this before. There was a time where Jesus actually got in a boat and just pushed off a little bit from shore to get away from the people just so they could hear him to talk to him. I mean, there's always these crowds, and they're trying to move, move him through. The disciples are trying to help him. Look at this, verse 43. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. Suffered. Everybody say suffered. Suffered. Not wrestled. Not had a couple of bad days. Not struggling with something, right? She's suffered for 12 years. Let me say this real quick. Some people here, you know what it feels like. You've suffered or you are suffering and the issues are very real. But in your mind, you've tried to minimize it because you don't want people to know how bad it is. And you say, well, it's not really that important. Listen, listen, listen. If it's causing you to suffer, it's important because you are important. Anyway, just needed to say that, just, just so you know. Suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Ryan, what does that mean? It's, it's the thing we talked about in Leviticus. Do you think she was lonely? Do you think she was? 12 years, constant bleeding. 12 years of loneliness. 12 years of not being able to connect with God. 12 years of not being able to connect with other people. I mean, she could connect with other people, but as soon as they found out what was wrong with her, they would push her away. Because if they touched what she touched, if they touched her, they're going to be unclean. So they pushed her away. That's what religion does, by the way. Religion pushes away, but Jesus always brings us in. Religion pushes us away, but Jesus always brings us in. And all of a sudden, we see this woman who's suffering for 12 years with loneliness, unlike most of us have ever experienced in our lives. She's lonely, and the Bible says she could find no cure. Like, she had tried. She had tried to get better. She'd been on Dr. Google and been to all the best specialists. and I mean, she just couldn't get better, could find no cure. This woman, the issue of the blood, she's wrestling, she's struggling for 12 years. And this next verse, like I I didn't understand this verse for the longest time. I mean, I know people who say all the time, I'm reaching for his hem or just trying to touch the fringe of his robe. And and if you say that, great. Um, But I, I I, I didn't understand it until just recently. Verse 44, Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Where would the tassels have been? The fringe of his robe, right? What did it say in Malachi? That the Messiah would have what? Healing in his clothes. And here you've got a woman who suffered for 12 years. She pushes her way makes her way through the crowd, and she touches the fringe of his robe. And when she touched the fringe of his robe, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm trying to touch my favorite rock star. She grabbed on to the robe. She touched it. And in doing that, she was saying, hey, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are the cure. I believe you are the way maker, the promise keeper, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness. I believe in you. In that moment, she believed. And then what happened when she, was ble- when she believed? The Bible says what? The bleeding stopped. The bleeding, immediately, the bleeding stopped. 
And everyone in the crowd saw it. Everyone. But, but don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. In the crowd, there was this, this, think about this. There's this crowd of people around Jesus. There are a lot of people seeing Jesus, but only one person experienced Jesus because she had the faith to believe that Jesus really was who he said he was. And I think sometimes in church, and I'm guilty of this, there are a lot of times that we come to a place like this and we're around Jesus, but we don't experience Jesus. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with sometimes our minds being disconnected from who he is or even the ability to see who he is because we're lonely. Listen, at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is, and Jesus will do exactly what he said he will do. This woman wanted more than just being around him. She wanted to experience him. And when she acknowledged him through her statement of grabbing the clothes, she was immediately healed. Unbelievable. But it keeps getting crazier because watch this, verse 45. Who touched me, Jesus asked. <laughs> That's a weird question. Because right? you're like, you're in the middle of a crowd. You try to get through the crowd. You're like throwing elbows or whatever. You're trying to get through. Who touched me? And, and the disciples, like, they're just going to call it out, man. They just flat out said, like, who did Like, everybody just denied it. If you're a parent, you know exactly what this is like. You come home, dog's painted red. You ask a kid who did. I don't know. <laughs> just showed up that way. Probably the neighbor kids, man. You know how awful they are. You know what denial is, right? Everybody, everybody knows hypothetically saying, maybe that happened to somebody. Everyone denied it. And, and Peter, you just got to love Peter. Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. I mean, come on, Jesus. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody. Everybody touched you, Jesus. But Jesus said, look at this. Someone deliberately, not accidentally, not haphazardly, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Verse 47, when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell on her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. When I read this, again, even just the other day, the thought came into my mind of why was she afraid? Why was she afraid? It was very simple. If you go back to Leviticus, she was unclean. And if a woman or a man or anybody touched anything that was unclean, intentionally touched somebody who was clean, especially a rabbi, they could be punished, possibly even killed. So this woman, she made this statement by grabbing his clothes, declaring that he was, was Lord. When she did that, she wasn't doing it safely. She was taking a risk. And sometimes we've got to take risks, church, when we're following Jesus. Sometimes we've got to be willing to take a risk. And that's what this woman did. And then... In the middle of everyone, she got called out. And so she's scared to death because for 12 years, for 12 years she's been lonely. For 12 years she's been isolated. And, and, and what are two things that people want when they feel lonely and isolated? They want love and they want acceptance. And so what does Jesus do? In verse 48, he says, daughter. See, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? And God is our heavenly father, and so Jesus doesn't look at her and call her unclean. He looks at her, knowing her mess, and he calls her daughter. I love that. He calls her by the name daughter. In one word, he gave her love and acceptance because she took the risk and had the courage to say, I believe you are here. 
I believe you can do exactly what you said you can do. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wrestle with faith. I, I do. Sometimes I really wrestle with faith. That's why one of my favorite prayers in scriptures is, hey, Jesus, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I, I love this next part. I love this. He says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And this word peace here is the Hebrew word, which means shalom. It's the thing that we talked about in week number two of this series. It's the thing that we all want. It's the thing we all need. And she got it. She got, she got, don't miss this, she got it in one encounter. One. One encounter with Jesus. If he did it then, he can do it again. Because at the end of the day, he's our way maker. He's the one who will make a way through the loneliness when we feel like loneliness has let us down. He's our miracle worker. Do, do you know that God is an expert at cleaning up a mess? If he, if he can take a cross and turn it into an empty tomb, he could take any situation in our lives and make it right. He's a promise keeper. He, he's the one who promised he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. That promise is true. And he's a light. He's a light in the darkness. And, and, and some of you, some of us, we've experienced so much darkness in this past season, we just need to see a light. And here's what I hope everybody understands and realizes. Right now, he is here. He is in this place. And he is as real to us as he was to the woman in this story. So over these next several moments, before we close in prayer, I'm, I'm wondering if we have a, as a church, as you as individuals, would just have the courage to reach out and touch the garments and acknowledge who he is and that he is here. Um, we're going to sing this song, Waymaker, together. Because if we understand that he is a waymaker, that he's the promise keeper, that he's the miracle worker, that he's a light in the darkness, and that he really is here, and he really is who he says that he is, we can, be, we can begin to overcome anything that's holding us back, even our loneliness. And so I'm going to pray quick, and then, then we're going to stand and and, and sing together, and Pastor Gary will come and close us out. Father, I just want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you that no matter what we feel, none of us are alone in this room. But God, I do pray for the person that feels alone, abandoned, rejected because of something that we've done or something that's been done for us. I, I pray, Jesus, over these next few moments that you remind them that you are here, that you are with us, that you will not leave us you will not forsake us. Jesus, I, I pray to have the courage for all of us to have the courage over these next few moments to reach out and grab the garments, to understand, to acknowledge you're a way maker, you're a miracle worker, a promise keeper, that you are a light in the darkness. And again, that through you, we can overcome anything that the world throws our way. Love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing, church.